We're going to be in, in Exodus, the ninth chapter, Parshas Vayera. And uh, I've titled this uh, a title that you're not going to understand starting off what I'm talking about. But when we get to the end of this, we're going to go, oh, now, now I get it. This is a really interesting Parsha. Uh, what makes this interesting is this, even though it starts off with um, uh, the, the, the utterances of redemption, that, uh, that Hashem does, the four expressions of redemption, and God's uh, insistence that the covenant that he made with Abraham, and obviously the rest of the patriarchs, uh, cannot be broken, even if a party decides to break that. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give some background on the text. But I want to teach a moral of the lesson called, Don't Be a Slave to Self. Don't be a slave to self. And, and I'll build it up in just a moment. But before we get into, I guess, the, the spiritual lesson of this Parsha, uh, I would like to examine the text. It says, God spoke to Moshe and said to him, I am Hashem, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and Yaakov, as El Shaddai. But my name, Hashem, I did not make myself known to them. Moreover, I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojourning, in which they sojourned. Moreover, I have heard the groan of, of the children of Israel whom Egypt enslaved, and I remember my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am Hashem, I shall take you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I shall rescue you from their services, their service, I shall redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I shall take you to me for a people. I shall be a, be a God to you, and you shall know that I am Hashem your God, who takes you out from under the burdens of Egypt, shall bring you into the land which I have raised, by, uh, uh, raised my hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I shall give to you... As a heritage, I am Hashem. Now, the text is actually a response that Hashem is giving to Moshe from last week's Parsha, right? It's a question that Hashem had asked. Actually, he was going to uh, Hashem to basically say, look, um, I approached Pyro. I told him. I, you know, I expressed what was going on, and he completely ignored me. He's hardened his heart, and then we see in the text, it says, and, and God hardens Pyro's heart. This, this concept of avodat perach, avodat perach, is the idea, that's what the slavery means. It's a little bit different uh, than this, the phrase, just, it's not just slavery. It's the actual entrapment of an individual, the humiliation of a person, uh, making them to do useless work. Now, one of the things that they did during the Holocaust would take and cause a humiliation to be the, the work behind the, the, the person, and it would break their spirit. That was the goal. The Nazis tried to break their spirit. Same thing that Pyro had done. But while Pyro is enslaving his people, I'm going to show you that Pyro was actually a slave to himself. I'm going to express to you what I'm talking about. 
It's a very powerful concept. There's so many different levels and layers in this story that while we see the uh, Israelite people, God making a promise to say, look, I want you to know that I'm going to fill this covenant. I'm going to bring you out of this place. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to set you apart. While he's doing that and bringing them out from their slavery, Pyro was becoming trapped in his own slave self, to slave, self, to, uh, slave to self. Why do I know that? Because each time Pyro was introduced to another concept, matter of fact, it says in this, in, in this, in this Parsha that he goes to Pyro uh, while he goes to the Nile. Now, he, he presented himself like a god, so they didn't want, he didn't want them to see him go relieve himself, so he'd go at night. And there Moshe sees him and he gives him the evidence of a great, you know, great uh, plague that was going to come. And Pyro just turned and was not impressed. As a matter of fact, he said, you come to Egypt with sorcery? I have plenty of sorcerers. If you can do that, I'll do it. So he, he's not threatened at all. What was Pyro's master? His ego. His ego was his master. You see, we don't look at it like, how could you be enslaved to yourself? But it is absolutely honest truth that a human being that comes in contact with the creator of the universe and you have such an ego that he doesn't even break through, even in the worst of circumstances, he can't break through. Like I said, there will be people that will go to Gehenna and will give God the middle finger and curse him. There are people with that much chutzpah, so much ego that God couldn't break through and won't break through. Now, We've read in this text that, um, that Pyro not only ignores Moshe, but makes their work even heavier. He attempted to subjugate them to a place of humiliation. I find it interesting that in this text, God tells Moshe that he's not going to listen to you, Therefore, I'm going to send judgments upon him. I'm going to send judgments on the people. So while Pyro is subjugating the Israelite people and giving them work, useless work, Hashem then subjugates Pyro to his own self. Does that make sense? He, he causes Pyro to be completely enslaved by himself, and he has no clue. As a matter of fact, he's going to be so deep that he can't do tshuva. It's impossible for him to do tshuva. Now, do we understand the concept where it says that um, he hardened Pyro's heart? You guys understand that, correct? Pretty much so? You got it? In the sense that it didn't mean that he took Pyro's free will away. It's just Pyro was such a slave to his ego that he, he couldn't have done anything more. That was just normal. It's just the normal result. So I'd like to look at a couple of pieces of the text, and, and then we'll, we'll head back there in just a moment. So he says, he said, verse 4, he said, And I also established my covenant. And this is what I really like. Uh, this is Rashi uh, commentary. He says, And furthermore, I appeared to them as El Shaddai. I instituted and established my covenant between myself and them, Let's talk for a second. Who was the covenant with? Abraham and God. But let's go back mentally to the story of Abraham. What was Abraham doing during the covenant of pieces? 
He was asleep, taking a snooze. Come on, you make yourself comfortable. He was, he was taking a snooze. So who did he make the covenant with? God made a covenant with himself, basically saying, I'm going to be faithful to this covenant. It, it, regardless of what you and your people do, I'm going to be faithful to this covenant. So those people within uh, Christianity that makes a claim that Israel's covenant with God has been broken, and that covenant cannot be restored unless they become believers in their Savior, is completely bogus. Because God at this point is speaking to uh, Moshe and speaking to his people to say, I'm going to be faithful to my covenant. I'm going to make sure this happens. I'm going to break you out of your slavery. It's going to happen. And so he says that the way you're going to know that is I'm going to, I'm now revealing myself as Yudche Vavche. I'm going to reveal myself at the, the highest level. You're going to see my power. You're going to see my authority. And it says that I swore, uh, which I swore to Abraham, this idea that it says, I am El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply in the land that I have given Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. Going on to uh, verse verse uh, eight and nine. I shall bring you to the land about which I have raised my hand to give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I shall give it to you as a heritage. I am Hashem. Next, it says, Moshe spoke accordingly to the children of Israel, but they did not listen to Moshe because of shortness of breath or wind. And they were hardworking. What does it mean to be short of breath? Just exhausted. They had lost all hope of redemption. Lost all hope of redemption. You know, fortunately, uh, those of us who get enslaved by our environmental surroundings, which it's easy to do, and we mentioned about this the other day, we can be enslaved by our job, we can be enslaved by bad relationships, we can be enslaved by our, um, you know, our deep love for, for, for money and success. And the whole time, you don't even realize you're enslaved. But there is a point that one can break, be broken to a place to where you're so exhausted by your slavery, you don't think that there's ever any hope of getting broken out of that. It says here, it says, uh, this is what um, Rashi says, said they did not accept consolation. Through Mos uh, though Moses' message of impending re redemption, because of the shortness of wind, anyone who is under stress it is short of wind and breath. How many of you guys ever been to a place that you're, you're exasperated? Like, you don't see how in the world there's ever an end to this thing. I mean, and look, we've all, we've all been there. But um, you can see how horrible... Uh, what horrible shape Israel was in at this time. They felt completely hopeless. And then they see Paro's dismissive response to even the worst of circumstances. Then, then they realize there's no hope. If he's not going to break now, there's no hope for us. It's, it's not going to happen. So um, let's go to uh, verse 12. I want to answer this one here. It says, uh, I'm sorry. He said, I'll bring you out of the lambs. Um, 
Okay, let's talk about the four, uh, the four utterances of redemption. Can we do that real quick? The four utterances of redemption. First, I shall take you out. God would remove the Jews from the burden of their slavery even before they were permitted to leave the country and while they were still uh, in the chattels of, of, of Egypt. The slave, slavery ended in Teshri, but they did not leave Egypt until six months later. So what had happened is the slavery stopped when the plagues began to pick up, but they still weren't allowed to leave. Does it make sense? So the slavery ended early. Next, it says, and I shall rescue you. God would take the Jews out of Egypt. The subjugation of Egypt will be formally ended. Then next, I shall redeem you, alludes to the splitting of the, of, of the sea, when God's outstretched arm with great judgments crushed Egypt's power for good. Until then, the Jews feared that they would, would be pursued by their former masters and return to their slavery. You know, as a result of... of um, of seeing our own slavery, and, and we've heard this expressed many times that each one of us have to almost act as if we're leaving Egypt ourselves, right? This is our personal exodus out. But it's something very beautiful to know that whenever, whenever a person who is enslaved, even to self, or even by their environmental circumstances, that at some point, if you will cry out to Hashem, he, Hashem will listen to you. He will get you to the place that you need to be. Every one of us in this room have had the distinct opportunity to cry out to Hashem years ago to say, I want to know more. I need to know the truth. I, I, I feel trapped in this, this religious view that I have, and I, I see that there's, I, there's more. There has to be more. And when you cry out, then he answers you. And then when he answers you, don't expect it to look what it, you know, look like what it's supposed to be. I am sure that whenever we talk about redemption, we think of, of uh, a knight riding in with uh, you know, shining armor and kills everybody that's holding you captive. And in reality, for the Jewish people, it was, it was like tightening the screws down on them at the last minute. Like, wow, we didn't need this kind of redemption motion. Because they weren't that thrilled. I mean, it's like you were making our burdens worse. Um, last, he says, I, I, sh I shall take you. God uh, took the Jewish people uh, out. And the only, uh, see, uh, took him out. He shall take you out. God took the Jewish people uh, out. Okay. So let's, where do we leave off? Um, we're on verse, where are we at? Okay, yeah, I want to I want to skip over and I want to go to let's let's go up uh, a little bit. We're going to go to chapter seven. Shem said to Moshe, "See, I've made you a master over Pyro. See that I've made you a master over Pyro." In some ways, this is almost the metaphor of our lives that at some point you have to become a master over that which is enslaving you. Make sense? I have to master that which is enslaving us. Most of us are not enslaved by a, a, a true you know, master. But at the same time, many of us are enslaved by our own thought processes. We're enslaved to our self-doubt. Uh, We're enslaved by our lack of faith. 
you name it, whatever it may be, we could stay here all evening talking about all the things that we can be enslaved through. But the only way to break out of that, at some point, you have to become master of your master, right? That means you have to figure out who's my pyro, what's my pyro, how, how am I to break out of being a slave to myself? Pyro was in this situation himself and had no clue. He was such a slave to himself that he could not see the hand of God, even in all the worst of the plagues. Now, finally, his people were going to revolt if he didn't do something, so he got some temporary relief only to change his mind several times. And in this chapter here, he says, Hashem said to Moses, I made you master over Pharaoh. Aaron, your brother, shall be your spokesman. You shall speak everything that I have commanded you. And Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh, and he, uh, he should send the children of Israel from the land. Do you know how long that this period of time took place when Moshe started the negotiations? About a year. It's a long time. This wasn't like a Cecil B. DeVille movie where it happened in you know, 48 hours. It was a long, drawn-out process. He says, but uh, I shall harden Pharaoh's heart and I shall multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Pyro will not heed you and shall put my hand upon, I shall put my hand upon Egypt and shall take out my legions, my people, the children of Israel, and the land of Egypt with great judgments. The, uh, and Egypt shall know that I am Hashem when I stretched out my hand over Egypt. So who... He who is enslaved to self, there's a process. And this is what I love about this text, because there's sort of a process that goes on to redeem the people. What was the plagues? Why, why was the plagues uh, important? Why the attacks that took place, very specific, on the water, fleas, pestilence, why? That was their gods or deities. So, here we go. Now, I know that none of us in this room uh, practice avodazara, idolatry, uh, idol worship, okay? But we do love ourselves, right? And we love ourselves enough that, and it's a natural thing, you've got to love yourself at some level. You don't want me to show up to class without taking a bath for a month, right? You want me to love myself a little bit. But the whole point is, is at some point you have to see those little, little gods of your life and they have to slowly be dismantled. Somehow, you've got to be able to see that these things are, are the things that I have, I have based my whole life on. My whole life has been based on these little deities in my life, and they need to be destroyed. So it says that Pyro, even with all of these things being destroyed, could not, could not see. He, he couldn't catch it. He says, verse 8, he says, Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron, when Pyro speaks to you, saying, prove or provide a wonder for yourself, you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pyro, and it will become a snake. Moses came to Aaron, to Pyro, and Pharaoh, and they said, and they did so, and basically what happened is Pyro went, no big deal. I have sorcerers who can do that. Impress me with something else. Um, and, of course, we know the story how each one of them cast down their, their snakes and or their, their staff, and uh, their, their snakes turn to, uh, their staffs turn to snakes. 
Why wasn't Pyro um, impressed? Because he knew the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, he, he thought he knew better. He thought, oh, that's just sorcery. That can't be God. That's just sorcery. One of the problems with a person who is uh, enslaved to themselves is not being able to see God as we call in the cracks, not being able to see God around you. Now, all of us in this room and people who are watching very easily see the hand of God in everything, right? You, uh, you know, just, just the other day I had a situation that I talked to someone about and I'm thinking, you know, God's going to have to provide for this situation. And I mean, within 20 minutes, 20 minutes, it was taken care of. And I'm thinking, wow, thank God I didn't really fret too much about it. I'd be embarrassed, right? Because that's, you know, God, we see the hand of God. Pyro is so uh, enslaved to himself that it was impossible for him to see the hand of God. He just thought it was another coincidence. And that's a, that's a, that's a huge uh, delusion. Uh, we, we talk about the world of illusion that we live in through vain philosophies and, and, uh, and worldly thinking. And you could pretty much show a miracle to a person who's in this situation so enslaved to himself that they, they, they would have an explanation. It's, oh, it's surely it was just an, uh, an accident or whatever, yes. I read somewhere, I think it was this commentary, maybe later on, that at this point, Pharaoh still, he, he thought Moses was just a superior magician. No, that's he it. He was just mm -hmm. doing the same thing his were doing. He was right. just better at it. He was just better at it. So, yeah, no, ex exactly. Uh, Aurelio and I were talking the other day, and um, we talked about how it is not a coincidence when you uh, discover what, um, what giving and being generous does in your own personal life. You, you, if, you're, if you're a slave to yourself, you will not get the idea. You, as a matter of fact, you probably won't be generous at all because it's not part of your, your uh, what do you call it, your, uh, your demeanor. Persona. Persona. If you're, if, you're, if you're a slave to self, you're not going to be generous. You're not, you're not going to give tzedakah. You're not going to, to tithe. Why would you do that? It doesn't make sense. And even though you can hear Aurelio or me or somebody else say, I will never be in a situation where I'm not a giver. Why? Because I've lived that life of a selfish person and I, I, don't, I didn't have two nickels to rub together the whole time that I was living that way. And I'm telling you, it works to be a giver, but yet a person who is enslaved to themselves can't see it. They couldn't see it if, if their life depended upon it because they, they're too enslaved to themselves. So um, they throw the staff down. Uh, let's go to chapter 8. Well, first of all, let me let me talk about the water. Why, why the the first uh, plague was about the water? What would about what about the Nile was so important to the Egyptians? It was life. Yeah, and it, and also there was a a deity factor to it. Um, Moshe notice didn't strike the water. Uh, so why, why didn't Moshe strike this? Sages say that because that's where he was drawn out. He was drawn out of the water, exactly. Um, he says, uh, uh, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand, verse 1, uh, with your staff over the rivers, 
over the canals and over the reservoirs, uh, raise up the f frogs over the land of Egypt. Hold on. Uh, that's eight. Hold on. Um, yeah. yeah, 719. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Um, stretch your hand over, over, uh, over the uh, waters of Egypt, over their rivers, over their canals, over their reservoirs, over their gathering of water, and they shall become blood. There shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in the wooden and stone vessels. So, talk about some magic, huh? Uh, amazing. This, uh, this is done, and, and Pyro's not going to still be that impressed. But, most of Aaron did so in his shimmy command, and left the staff aloft and struck the waters. In Rashi's commentary, let's go to 8, 8.19, right? No, 719. 7.19. Um. Okay, because rain, Rashi says, according to verse 17, it says, So says Hashem, through this shall you know that I am Hashem, Hashem, uh, behold, with the, the staff that is in my hand, I shall strike the waters and that, that are in the river, and they shall change to blood. Says verse 17, Rashi says, Because rain did not fall in Egypt, the Niles, uh, uh, but the Nile uh, rises in the, and waters the land. The Egyptians therefore worshipped the Nile. He therefore first struck the most important deity and only afterwards struck them. The Egyptians will grow weary. Now, what he's saying after, he, uh, Rashi says that in verse 16, there's sort of a Midrashic hint that Moshe sort of hints to the death of the firstborn that's going to take place uh, some weeks later. It says, verse 16, it says, uh, a good way to read this verse, until now, up, uh, it says, until this point, it's a midrashic interpretation until you hear from me regarding the plague of the firstborn. So in verse 16, it says, you shall say to him, Hashem is Hashem, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you, saying, send out my people that they may serve me in the wilderness. What was going to be uh, Pyro's next deal? After, after he realizes the plagues are too much, he's going to make a deal with Moshe. And he's going to say, why don't you just do it here? Right? Worship, Worship here. Worship me here. Now, we all know why they couldn't do that, right? And that was, if they would go sacrifice all of those lambs, goats, cows, it would set the country on fire because they would be sacrificing all of their idols. <laughs> so can you imagine what, what to all these idol worshipers seeing uh, the Hebrew people do this? No, it would never work. It couldn't do that. So that was number one. Number two is to worship God uh, for them, they realized that they had to be separated out from Egypt. They could not stay in captivity uh, and, and be able to fully liberate yourself or be uh, liberated before God. Uh, did you have something you want to say? Uh, kind of, sort of, but it's, yeah. it, it 
relates a little bit to it. Isn't that a little bit? Because um, I feel like that when I meet a, uh, a Christian, you know, when I say, "Hey, you know, what, what do you?" When they ask me, "What are you studying?" I say, "Well, I'm studying you know, Jewish Tanakh, or the Torah," and um, and then the first thing they think of, and um, is that you killed Jesus. He already. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So you killed my deity. Right. You know, type of deal. Right. So. You know, even with my some of my family members, and uh, it's it's sad because you know that's what they think. It's that you know because I'm associated with the Jewish people that we killed, they're the ones that killed. They killed, we killed their deal. Right. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, one of the one of the things we always hear is they'll ask you what do what do you do with with JC, right? And you know, like, what are you going to say? It's like I didn't do anything with him. I didn't do anything with him. I, I didn't know he's lost. Whatever, you know. But, but I put him on a shelf and concentrated on his on the father. Right. But before, before. But the thing is, every one of us in this room had to make uh, a decision to destroy that image of a deity in our life before we could really connect to Hashem. That's a profound thing, and I know that those people who are Christians and will listen to this may even become very offended by it. But the point is, is you can't say, I want to know you, God. I want to know the truth. I want to have the wisdom of Torah and yet hang on to your idolatry. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. And I'm not claiming that every Christian is an idol worshiper, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that. But most definitely, if I have something that is in my mind that programs everything I think and it keeps me from connecting to Hashem fully, then I'm really a slave to my idolatry. I'm enslaved to that thinking. And we know there are people out there that, hey, look, th there are Jewish people that are enslaved by their religious thinking as well. Right. Okay, here's an here's, here's explanation. It's across the board, right. Here, here's a simple one. I had someone uh, uh, text and says, you know, I know I've been watching the videos and... Uh, you know, you guys seem to have a different connection to Hashem. This is a from person. And I, you know, I told him, you know, uh, this person said that I wish that I could, I could have sort of that fresh personal like connection with Hashem. And I said, well, it's not that difficult. And I, I talked about Hitzpadadu, personal prayer. And this person wrote back and said, oh, it sounds like uh, Brislov stuff. I can't do that. Right. So because it's Brislov, uh, we can't do that. Right? It's, don't talk to me about something that you think works because I'm not supposed to, you know, believe in Rebbe Nachman and the teachings of Breza. So once, once I'm saying, what I, what I was saying is that this individual is missing out on a great opportunity to connect to Hashem on a very personal level. Now, can this person find it without Breslov? Yes, absolutely, they can, do, they can do it. It's not a problem. But people get stuck in their little religious boxes, and Hashem wants us to break out of that, not have a restriction. And I love... I love the, uh, oh, help me, you guys will know the verse, expand my horizons, O oh God. He prays to a God to expand his horizons. Japheth, Japheth, is that his name? Japheth, right? Expand my horizons, O oh God. Expand my horizons. Don't, don't let me be hemmed in by my negative thinking, by my bad thinking. And look, at some level, the Jewish people were 
were enslaved also to, to their misery. I mean, here Pyro quit enslaving them. And they were thinking, this, this is useless. We're not going to be redeemed. Here, here, after they were taken out of their slavery some six months after Moshe says, let my people go, they're still in Egypt. They still can't get out of Egypt. But yet in their mind, they're thinking there's no hope for that. So one can be enslaved by, by their thoughts. Remember King David says, open my eyes and let me see wondrous things. Yeah, open my eyes, see the, one, yeah, the wondrous thing of your Torah. You can't see. You can't see. And every morning in the day I meet, when we wake up, I mm -hmm. after that in the prayers, we thank Hashem for opening right. our eyes. Not right. just physical, but our spiritual right. eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't happen all at once. No. For people who are in idolatry or whatever. You know, it, no, it, let me tell you, it, it, can't, it, it cannot happen at once. Why? It's like, it's like flipping on the light in somebody in a dark room. You, you'll blind them temporarily. It, it, it will, it'll be too shocking of, a, of, of understanding. It comes a little bit at a time. And that's why when we tell people they come into the class, we tell them, ah, take your time. Wow. And, and it's a process. It is it's a process. Like, it's every step, you know, Shabbat, you know, there's a little light that right. comes through. You know, uh, eating kosher, you know, the, the brightness, light gets brighter. Modesty, bright, yeah. Right, modesty, right. And, and, you know, study. Mm -hmm. So little by little, you know, and next thing you know, you know, you're, um, you know, the veil has been right. lifted. And it's like, man, how come I didn't get how, how did I not see it before? Right. It's the same thing. Uh, look, uh, uh, I think probably a lot of people have the impression that the, this whole redemptive process for Israel was very quick, but it's a whole year. That's a process. It's a process of putting them in a situation in which they're 100% leaning and trusting in Hashem and, and waiting for redemption. Unfortunately, there were a lot of Israelites that didn't leave Egypt because that process meant nothing to them because they were a slave to themselves. They were a slave. They why would why would I, why would I want to leave the Egypt where it's nice and comfortable here? Now we don't have slavery anymore. It's nice. Got my 50-inch TV and everything's cool. And I don't need, I don't need to go out and schlup up through the desert and be hot and sweaty and tired and hungry and thirsty. As a matter of fact, Israel's first response when they have their first difficulty is you brought us out here to die. Totally forgetting that they saw the hand of Hashem. They, they saw the waters parted. It wasn't like you could explain that away to anybody, right? They didn't get there, and there was a Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, the, it was a huge thing for them. So, a little there, a little, what is it, precept? Oh, precept, yeah. Yep. I don't know if you knew this, but according to Rashi, it says, uh, let's go to verse 22 of chapter 7. It says, The necromancers of Egypt did the same with their charms, and Pyro's heart became hardened. And he did not listen to them, that is Moshe and Aaron, and Hashem had spoken. Pyro turned away and came to his house. He did not take to his heart this either. All of the Egyptians dug round about the river uh, for water to drink, for they could not drink the waters of the river. So Rashi says that Pyro thought that the, um, the work of Moshe was from demonic practices, you know, from doing it just like the sorcerers did. Did not recognize the hand of God. 
and Pyro's heart became hardened. One of the things that entraps a person in the slavery of self is, is, as I said earlier, number one, not seeing the hand of God in your life. And number two, always explaining away the things that God is trying to show you. That's why in Judaism, one of the greatest and wisest things that we discover is that we say that everything is by the hand of Hashem. That means God's hand is in everything. And therefore, if God's hand is in everything, then I should be seeking for the answer as to what God is trying to tell me in everything. Right? You know, I, I, I go to, um, I go to, uh, to the store, and on my way to the store, the light is out, and there's a lot of traffic, and it takes me longer to get to the store. Is it possible that that time is needed for me to connect to God in somehow? That's the whole point. We see God in everything. A person who's enslaved to self can see the hand of God right in front of them and will not recognize it. They'll just blow it off as something else. Um, it says that... Um, um, Here's a little tidbit on verse 25. He says, The seven-day period was filled uh, after Hashem struck the water. It said, uh, The count of the seven-day period in which the river did not revert to its previous state, for the plague would be in effect for a quarter of a month. And for three quarters, Moses would forewarn and caution the Egyptians. And it says... Um, it says, verse 27, it says, For if you refuse to send me out, behold, I shall smite your entire border with frogs. Or as one thing, I think uh, we said that there could be, this could be uh, alligators or crocodiles. Um, the river shall swarm with frogs, and they shall ascend and come into your houses and your bedroom and your bed and your house, your servants, your people. Um uh, in your kneading bowls, and, in, and to you and into all the people, all your servants, will the frogs ascend. He says um, this word, and they shall ascend from the river into your house, and only afterwards into your house of your servants. Uh, meaning that it's going to first affect Pharaoh's house before it does anybody else, right? And Pharaoh initiated the plan to enslave the Israelites first, before any other Egyptians, as it says, and Pyro said to his people, and therefore the punishment began from him. The frogs plagued him before anyone else. So finally, the, the, um, we see this back and forth go on between Moshe and Pharaoh. The last thing is that Pharaoh saw the rain. This is the verse, uh, last, not, chapter 9, verse 34. It says, Pharaoh saw the rain, the hail, and the thunder ceased, and he continued to sin. He made his heart stubborn. Stubborn. He and his servants, Pharaoh's heart became strong, and he did not send out the children of Israel. Now this comes on the... On the on the heels of him saying in verse 27 of chapter 9, Pyro sent a summons Moses and Aaron said to them, This time I have sinned. Hashem is the righteous one, and I and my people are the wicked ones. He was so scared, so he decided to admit to his sin. Do you think he was actually repenting here? Nah. 
trying to get the heat off of him. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we know that is because at the last of the verse, this uh, fake tshuva, this fake you know, repentance, only caused him to become worse. In conclusion, to this idea of don't be a slave to self, there are people that you and I both know that have been such a devoted master, I mean servant to their, to their master, their Yetzirah, their evil inclination, that oftentimes they have found themselves in a situation where they even called out to God, I need help. God comes to their aid and they go, that couldn't have been God. I just, like the guy that was asking for rescue and he's on the roof and God, he says, I prayed for you to send the rescue and God said, I sent it to you three times and you ignored it. I like the one from, and I use this illustration. Do you guys remember the movie The End with Don DeLuise and Burt Reynolds? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the very end of the, he goes to commit suicide, so he's out in the middle of the ocean. The closer he, as he's going to the shore, he's like, God, I'll give you everything. I'll do whatever you want. And a little bit closer, he's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll pay you, I'll give you half of everything. Oh, and by the time he gets to the beach, he says, I'll try to pay ties this week. You know, it's like, the closer you get to it. So a person who is selfish in their motives and they're a slave to themselves just cannot they cannot break out of their Mitzrayim. And the only way to break it out is to do the same thing that God did for His people. And that was begin to destroy the idols or the, the deities that strengthened Pyro, that strengthened the Pyro, and become a master of your Pyro. It's very important. And may Hashem cause all of us this week to look at ourselves as if we're the ones in jeopardy. And may we examine ourselves and ask ourselves very poignantly, am I a slave to myself? And if I am to remain a free person, I must become the master of myself. That concludes this year. Uh, anybody uh, have questions, comments, fears, doubts? Now would be the time to express.